Well, today, if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 6, we're going to be in verses 1 through 15. So John 6, 1 through 15. And if you don't know me, my name is Josh. I am one of the pastors here. Um, Pastor Stephen is having a little uh, time with family, I think, maybe in southern Virginia. But um, I get to bring God's word, and so we'll be in John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. If you would, bow your head now, and let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we, we are able to gather in your name. And as we do, would you use your word to speak to us, give us ears to hear about your Son, Christ, today. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to uh, just do a little interaction with you. You don't have to answer out loud unless you really want to. But I'm going to give a few short statements to describe someone. And let's see if you can guess who it is. So the first person, uh, he was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in 1938. He was born on the planet Krypton but named Clark Kent, and he was a journalist for the Daily Planet and the fictional American city Metropolis. Who is he? Superman. Superman. And then the next one. Born in 1732, died in 1799. He was an American political leader, a military general, a founding father, and our first president. Who is he? George Washington. And the third... Born in Oxfordshire to a wealthy aristocratic family in 1874, died in 1965. He was the Prime Minister of the UK during World War II, and then again in 1951 to 55. Who is he? Winston Churchill. Awesome. You guys knew your history. And I figured most of us here would be able to guess that, right, from these descriptions, these very important facts about these people. And the Apostle John does something very similar for us in his gospel. He gives us very specific things, signs, if you will, to teach us about who Jesus is. And his whole goal that he tells us in chapter 20, everything that he writes, these seven signs that we are working through whenever I'm bringing God's word to you, each one of them is to teach us, to tell us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we may have life in his name. So we've seen so far, we've seen Jesus turn water into wine, which shows that he is the Messiah who inaugurates, who brings in the new covenant. We've seen him clear the temple, showing that he is the suffering servant who builds the new temple. We've seen him heal the official son, showing that he is the son of God who grants life by the power of his word. We've also seen him heal the invalid, showing that he is the son of God who makes people spiritually whole. And today we come to what many call the feeding of the 5,000. And this is not only a miracle, but John calls it a sign. And this miracle, it's the only miracle outside of the resurrection that appears in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And John wants us to see in this sign today that Jesus is the one 
who gives eternal life. That Jesus is the one who gives eternal life. So if you would, let's read the first four verses from John chapter 6. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain there and sat down with the disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. So over and over in this gospel, we see Jesus traveling back and forth between Galilee and Jerusalem. And he's doing the same thing here. He is on the move. He is crossing the Sea of Galilee, making his way to the eastern shore, to an area that we now refer to as the Golan Heights. And as usual, we see these crowds following Jesus. And as we'll read later on in verse 10, it says that men sat down and it was about 5,000. 5,000, but that's only the men. So if you add women and children into this, it's easily 15, maybe 20,000 people there. Think twice the population of Percival. All of these people are following Jesus, seeking him. And what are they seeking him for? What are they following him for? Verse 2 tells us they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick, the people that he was healing. But John, as he's writing this, he's wanting to, to bring to our minds Moses. He's wanting to link Jesus and Moses together for us even here because Moses was the one who went up on a mountain after the first Passover, after the exodus from Egypt. And John makes it clear here in our passage today that Jesus goes up on a mountain in verse 3 around the time of the Passover that we see in verse 4. So this Passover feast, it was at hand, it was near and today in our passage, we see this huge crowd with a hunger. A hunger that's too great for them to resolve by themselves. So as we work our way through this passage, I want us to note four things that highlight that Jesus is the one who offers, who gives eternal life. The first thing that we'll see is you, your need is never too great. Then we'll see your, you will never have enough. The third thing we'll see is that Jesus provides abundantly. And finally, we'll look and see that Jesus is the better king. So if you would, let's finish reading the rest of our passage. Let's pick up in verse 5. Lifting, his, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus answered him. Two, sorry, Philip answered him. Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in this place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, 
Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. So we see in these first two verses, verses 5 and 6, that your need is never too great. Right? Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing this large crowd toward, come toward him, he says to Philip, where can we buy enough bread for these people? He sees a hungry crowd. Mark chapter 6 actually tells us that Jesus had been teaching them that day and then it grew late and they needed to eat. Which brings Jesus to ask the question, where are we to buy bread for all these people? Right? There's nowhere to buy bread for 20,000 people. So their need is abundant. It's great. It's huge. Their felt need is hunger. But their spiritual need is to have a soul satisfied in Christ. So as Jesus asked this question, where can we find enough bread for these people? These, the disciples probably are growing a little anxious. Oh, he's looking to us to, to solve this. What are we supposed to do? There's probably panic. But John gives us insight into the mind of Christ, right? Verse 6, he says, he, that is Jesus, said this to test him. For he knew himself what he would do. Jesus seems to, to love asking questions. Asking questions every time we see him. He's asking people questions. Whether it's his disciples or the people in the crowd or the Pharisees. He's always asking questions. Reminds me much like professors that I had in college and in seminary. Why do they always ask questions? Right? I came here to learn from you. That's why I'm in class, right? That's why these people are following Jesus is because they want answers, yet he's asking them the questions. Well, professors do this. Jesus is doing this because they want to teach. They don't just want to spout out an answer for you. They want to bring you along a journey to help you learn, to help you grow. And so Jesus is asking this question, not just so that the crowd understands who he is, but he's asking his disciples so that even they would understand who he is from this sign, from this miracle he performs. And so even as there's probably some, a little bit of anxiety as this question's coming to them, maybe a little bit of panic, Corey Tinboom, she says, there is no panic in heaven. God has no problems, only plans. Right? God has no problems, only plans. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. He's just asking this question to expose the crowd's need, to expose their hunger. So when you see people in need, when you see others who are hurting, where do you turn? Where do people in this world turn to when they have great needs? Well, there is this text thread amongst uh, parents on my oldest son, my Ma Matthew's soccer team. It started out with his coach. Uh, there was a, a, a parents versus kids game, a soccer game, and there's always somebody that gets hurt. 
Well, this year it wasn't a, a kid, it was the coach. So he sends out the text to all the parents, just letting us know what's going on. He said, hey, hey team, just a heads up from the MRI results. I have MCL tear, I have an ACL tear, and I also have a bone bruise. And so everybody's responding back, hey, I hope you recover well, that it's quick. And then there was one text that came through that struck me. He said, oh man, I went through the same thing four years ago, and it will be fine with the right medication and family support. Without that, good luck. Over 40 rehab is not fun. Hope all goes well. Right? And we chuckle a little bit, right? The older we get, the longer recovery takes. But also, the, the best advice that's given is, hope you've got some good medication, good doctors, and some family support. And yes, we need those things, right? When we have physical ailments, we want doctors, and we want family to be there to support us. But at the same time, shouldn't physical needs also remind us of our great spiritual need? These people were hungry. They needed something that would satisfy them that they did not have. They needed food, or so they thought. But they needed much more. And we find ourselves in a similar situation to this crowd. Our need is much bigger and deeper than food or money or the provisions in life. And so who do you turn to? What is it that you look to for happiness, for satisfaction. Turn to Jesus, right? There's no, no, there's no need greater than to have Jesus. And he says, that is not, the need of being satisfied, there's nothing too great for me. So you'll never be satisfied with anything other than Jesus. You'll always want more. And we see these People are in great need, but Jesus says it's not too much for me. And the second thing we see, verses 7 through 9, we see that you will never have enough. The hunger you have in your soul, you never will have enough to satisfy that hunger. So look at verses 7 through 9 with me. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So Jesus sees these people with such a huge need that only he can supply. And these disciples, to them the situation appears hopeless. Right? Philip says, well, Jesus, we don't have enough, not even 200 denarii is enough to, to feed even everybody even just a little bit. And one denarii, or denarius would have been one day's wage. So Philip is saying, Jesus, not even eight months of wages is enough to buy enough food for everybody even just to get a little bit. We don't have enough money to solve our need. And then Andrew comes along, and you could even imagine him probably wandering the crowd looking to see, does anybody have anything? Hopefully these people just have like these baskets they're just going to pull food out of, and then they can feed themselves and maybe have a little left to share. 
And he brings this little boy to Jesus and says, we've got five barley loaves and two fish, but that's not enough either. Philip says there's not enough money. Andrew says there's not enough food. And these meager provisions of five barley loaves and two fish, it's not even close to enough. This would have been something small enough to carry in a small bag or a little satchel. These five barley loaves, don't think like a a, a loaf of French bread. Think probably more like a little biscuit, maybe an English muffin. That's not going to do. And then these fish, it's not like you go deep sea fishing and catch big tuna. It's not two tuna that he's bringing to the, to the table here. It's two little pickled fish. And so he's got enough pickled fish to flavor the five barley loaves. This is a poor man's meal. So you can imagine Andrew, right? He's looking at Jesus like, this is all we've got. There's not enough. It'd be the same thing with you on Thursday showing up for a meal and nobody brought anything, the host didn't fix anything, and all you've got is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a little thing of Welch's gummy fruit snacks. Right? That's enough for a little boy. Not enough for your family Thanksgiving meal. And this is what they've got. It's certainly not enough for a crowd of 20,000 people. And can't life feel like this too? Right? It's not hard to look around and feel overwhelmed by life. Marriage being harder than you imagined. Responsibility of parenting children is so draining. Stress from work just seems to build. And I haven't even talked about anything that's, not, that's outside of you, right? That's just your life. Then you look up enough just to take a glance of something other than yourself in your own life. And you see your neighbors who are hurting, people in your community groups who just are struggling with what seems like every time they turn around. Or you turn on the news and you either want to pull your hair out or cry yourself to sleep. This is life, right? Every single one of us is in need. We all are a people who are hungry with a a longing to be satisfied We are so like this crowd who doesn't have enough money, who doesn't have enough food, and yet we have needs and longings that can only be satisfied by Jesus. There's nothing in this life that can fully satisfy your hunger, that can fully satisfy your soul. Your need is too great that you can't supply the need But Christ says, there's no need too great for me. And so I pray, even just as I've been preparing this sermon for my own heart and for all of us, that we would simply see, as Stephen reminded us last week, we are simply beggars in need of Christ, beckoning us, calling us, sit at my table where the provision is abundant. So we see third, that Jesus provides abundantly. Look at verse 10 with me. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Right, so Jesus invites the crowd to his table. He says, have a seat. 
So the, the question when I even read this is, well, why does Jesus feel a responsibility for the crowd? Why does he think he should be the one that, that feeds them? John Calvin said this, and it just it struck me when I first read it. He says, Christ of his own accord takes care of those who neglect themselves in order to follow him. Right? He takes it of his own accord to care for those who neglect themselves to follow him. For he does not wait till they are famished and cry out that they are perishing of hunger and have nothing to eat, but he provides food for them before they have asked it. Before these people even ask of Jesus, he already knows how he's going to satisfy them, how he's going to feed them. Jesus sees their need. He doesn't say, hey, just come through the Jesus drive-thru and you have something from the dollar menu. He says, sit down. Come to my feast. Be with me, right? So it's, it's as if you're there Thursday. And mom or whoever it is says, let's gather around the table. The table's set. The food's in place. You sit down with great anticipation and joy. You're excited, right? Mom's made her dish or your wife's made the favorite dish. You can probably even think about it right now. That meal, at least for me, was amazing. Jesus is inviting them to sit at the table. He's inviting them to a feast, saying, Have a seat. Come dine with me, and I will provide for all your hunger. He provides for all who are in need. Notice verse 11 says, Notice uh, that, that he took the loaves and the fish, he gave thanks and gave to all. And what was the result? The result is that everyone that received the bread, they had all that they could eat, right? Verses 11 and 12, they had as much as they wanted. They had eaten till they were full. Jesus completely satisfies them. He takes five biscuits and two fish, and he's provided for everyone who had a seat at his table, 20,000 people. Jesus' provision is sufficient for all. For everyone who would come to him, who would receive. Just like in salvation, Jesus Christ is sufficient for all who would come to the table. Listen to his words later in this chapter from verses 50 and 51. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Christ alone will satisfy you. Christ alone. He is the bread of life that anyone who comes to him in belief will be filled to the full. Will not die. Will receive eternal life. But also notice in verses 12 and 13 that his provision is abundant. It's abundant. He says, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. So you imagine, right? The, the disciples, they've dispersed the bread, they've dispersed the fish. Everybody's eaten all that they wanted. 
And then the disciples say, hey, we can't waste it. Jesus said, pick it all up. And every, each disciple's got a basket. And they've picked it all up. And each of their baskets is full. You can even probably envision them walking back to Jesus thinking, look at this. What started out with five little biscuits and two little fish Look at this, Jesus. I've got a basket, and oh, Andrew's got a basket, and Philip's got a basket, Matthew's got a basket. Every single one of us have baskets full. The provision of Christ, what started with five biscuits and two fish, has now fed everyone till they're full, and there's still leftovers. Christ's provision is more than enough. It was enough to satisfy the 20,000, and it's enough to satisfy all who will come to him. And he does it abundantly. I don't know if you've got a story like mine, but in high school, there was a time where I was greatly burdened with my sin. That Just the conviction of God came over me by his grace And I repented of sin and placed faith in Christ. And what happened? Maybe you've placed faith in Christ too. And maybe you remember, like this burden is lifted off of your shoulders. Your sin was forgiven. But even more than that, Christ was so abundant that not only did he lift the burden off of me, but he gave me a joy that has not gone away. No matter what life circumstances are, they could not take away the abundant provision of joy in Christ. Do you have that? And if you don't, do you want the bread of eternal life that is abundant, that will satisfy your soul? It's not simply enough knowing that there's a meal being served. Right on Thanksgiving, you didn't just sit down on the couch and watch other people eat the food at the table. You actually sat down at the table and ate because you were hungry. And just watching others eat doesn't satisfy you. Well, there are soul hungers that cannot be satisfied simply by knowing who Jesus is. You must receive him, believe in him who offers eternal life, right? You can be rich and also be miserable. You can be poor yet be happy. You can be married and lonely. You can be single and content. You can be a success at work and get the next promotion and not have enough, yet you can also be overlooked for the promotion and also be content in Christ. Christ calls us He says, you must sit at my table. You must eat of this feast. You must receive me. Receive my abundant provision. And listen to these words of Jesus later in the chapter as well. Verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 40, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes has eternal life. So let me ask you today. Have you sat at the table? Have you eaten of the bread of eternal life? Have you tasted the abundant provision that Jesus offers? 
If you haven't, it's not too late. You can receive him by faith today. You can receive Jesus who offers abundant and eternal life if you would turn to him. Receive his abundant provision through his death and his resurrection. You can have eternal life. And the last thing I want us to see in our passage, Jesus is the better king. Let's read verses 14 and 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed is the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This crowd, right, they are ready to take Jesus, and it says even by force to make him the king. Right, so imagine that you are in D.C., you're at Capital One Arena where the Wizards and the Capitals play, and you're in center court, or whatever they call it in hockey, I don't know, but you're in center court. We're going to say that the basketball uh, floor is down, and people are cheering your name. They're ready to make you president. The news outlets would broadcast the event, YouTube Videos would go viral. Instagram and Twitter hashtags would be blowing up. You would probably feel like, I'm ready for this. Let's do this. They believe in me. 20,000 people. They believe in me. I can, I can be president, but that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't let the people make him king. But why? Isn't he, in fact, the king of kings? And isn't he, in fact, the Lord of lords? Well, the obvious answer, at least uh, according to the Bible, is yes, he is. So these people, the crowds, they had it right, but they also had it wrong. These people were looking for a prophet like Moses foretold in Deuteronomy 18, where he says, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me. So they were right to be looking for a prophet for this king, They were looking for a king that would deliver them from Roman rule like Moses delivered the Israelites from Egypt. So they wanted this king to free them from Rome, but also they wanted a king that's going to supply all their needs, their physical needs. Because in John 6, 26, Jesus said to the crowd, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So these crowds, they're coming because they want their bellies filled. And Jesus says, I've come to be a better king for you than to simply provide food that you might eat. My kingdom is not of this world. An earthly king, he supplies comfort for here on earth. But Jesus, who is the better king, came to supply eternal life. One pastor says it this way. They wanted to make Jesus king, but before he would wear the crown of gold, he chose to wear a crown of thorns. Before he would sit on the throne, he would hang on a cross. The crucifixion would come before the coronation. Moses won, the great vic- won a great victory, but it pales in comparison to the victory Jesus won when he rose from the grave triumphant over death and hell. Right, Moses, they're looking for this leader who did achieve a great victory for the people of Israel by freeing them from Egypt. 
But Jesus' victory, it's much greater and lasts far longer because he triumphs over the grave and death and hell. So I wonder, in a year like this, have you looked to politics as your savior? And I know we're Hamilton Baptist Church, right? Nobody would ever say, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for from our politics. But, but I wonder if we need to ask ourselves maybe a couple of other questions to press in on that. Have you had more conversations about the election than eternal life? Have you talked more about Joe than about Jesus? Or have you thought more about Trump than the truth of Christ? Because our allegiance, if we are truly Christ followers, must be to the king of kings, who is the better king than Moses. The king who came not to be served, but who came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Christ is the far better king. Do you believe in Christ today? Has your hungry soul been satisfied by Jesus alone? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we have a wonderful Savior who provides for his people. And it's not just enough just to get by, but it's an abundant provision through his death and resurrection. And so we thank you for King Jesus who provides eternal life for all who would believe. Help us to rejoice in him today. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.